G'day everyone, welcome back to For the Love of Brick. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. If not, welcome back. For the Love of Brick is a fortnightly podcast where I talk to people from all over the world about their love of Lego. Now this week, I chat with Richard Jones, the editor and curator of the Rambling Brick Lego blog. Richard has been at the helm of the Rambling Brick for over four years now, starting it in 2016. And now today, we find out what started this journey and what keeps him going. Richard is a hive of info, and boy do we take some entertaining and educational journeys on this chat. I can almost guarantee you'll find out something new about Lego that you didn't know before. Well, at least I did. So without further ado... Let's get straight into this week's episode of For the Love of Brick. Hello, Richard. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? G'day, Greg. I'm well, thanks. Upright, moving forward, not dead yet. (laughs) That's great, Richard. I'm calling Um, that a win in the days of the pandemic. (laughs) Well, for people that don't know about you or um, what what you do... Um, would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself? So I, I'm Richard Jones. I write The Rambling Brick, which is a an online long-form text blog, mostly about a middle-aged man's meandering in the world of Lego and uh, his, his journey down the rabbit hole. I was about to say, and you do go down some rabbit holes, don't you? Oh, we, we, do, we do go down rabbit holes, yes. but we, didn't, we tend to come up after a while for yeah. a bit of air. Yeah, you get to visit um, Alice and then come back. Yeah, some, sometimes things just need to be taken to their natural conclusion, if only to demonstrate why things should not always be taken to their natural conclusion. <laughs> How long has Rambling Brick been going for? So Rambling Brick's been going since January 2016, so yep. about four, a little over four and a half years now. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you, do you find it hard to, because you do it by yourself, don't you? Do you find it hard to keep up the motivation to keep doing it? Some weeks. Some weeks, yep. Mostly no. Um, look, it, it depends on, on how, how the real world interferes as well. And yep. the real world can interfere in lots of ways, either by um, throwing a heavy psychic pull over the universe um, in the form of the pandemic, or it can also interfere just by being jolly busy. Yes. Um, and Or just a bit tired. Um, so... On the whole, I'm not a seven-day-a-week, every-waking-hour blogger, but I will have weeks where I'll put a lot of effort in and then I'll probably take a few days off. And it just all depends on what's what's going on and what's happening in the, the Lego news zeitgeist and um, what articles I've currently sort of got on the back burner and um, yep. what sort of progress they're making. Sometimes I find... I might spend a week or 10 days writing an article that gets interrupted by a few press releases along the way. And at the end of that, I need about four or five days off from even thinking about it all. <laughs> like I've had enough. Yeah, that might be a review of a big set. It might be um, a look at sustainability. It might be a look at gender balance in minifigures. It might be um, some wild speculation about ways in which sets are being revisited or whatever. Yeah, every so often you just need to take a bit of a break because you've got you just need a little bit of space from it. But it's fun. When I'm doing it, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> we wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun, would we? 
uh, unless we like punishment. No, yeah. look, I don't. Th- I don't think you would. I think it's one of the things that you've really got to be careful of, and you've got to make sure that what you're doing is. Well, I suppose let's go back a step. I do this because it brings me joy. Yep. I do the rambling brick because I enjoy looking for the things that I look for. Yep. And I also, it's, I'm using the word I a lot. Um, well, you're the only one doing it, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, yes. Yep. <laughs> if it's not something that I'm enjoying, then it's plainly becoming a habit. Yep. You know, and if, if you're just doing it out of habit more than anything else, you know, this really started off with my passion for my fandom. And yep. if I'm not enjoying expressing my passion, then perhaps I'm not being passionate about it. Perhaps yeah. it's just time to step away from it a little bit and regain some of the, uh, some of the joy. But yeah. Some now look, you, that said, you can be passionately upset by something, yeah, and that's all right too. So you can still have fun being cross at something, yeah. Um, but on the whole, I find I don't get too cross with most of it because um, in real life, if I enjoy the stuff that I, I, I enjoy playing with Lego, yeah, it's it's hard not to enjoy it for me, and so I don't. You're doing really, really badly if you get a three out of five review from me with a, with any particular set. Um, Mental note. That's just because. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. But you know, it generally means that uh, it doesn't appeal a lot to me. Yeah. But most of them all appeal to someone anyway. Yeah. And so, if I'm looking at that sort of a score, it's just you know, I still I still like it. I just don't love it. Yeah. Or I just don't love it a lot. Yeah. Just doesn't tickle um, your fancy. If I really hate it, I'm not going to bother to take the time to write it up. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, it's true. Life's too short. I reckon there's one set that I've built and thought, oh, I don't even have the energy to express how I feel about this. So that might mean that you do get a bit of publication bias. And yep. on the whole, pretty well, everything gets a kind of positive yeah. Right up, but certainly I find that there are some sets that I enjoy a lot more than others, and I find that there are some sets that I don't enjoy, but I can see that they're going to be brilliant for some people, um, just because of the subject matter. Yeah, and but as you also said, it's like when you're not enjoying something, it will come through in your writing um, or in your speaking. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's naturally yeah, yeah. going to transfer, and you know, life's too short. Write about the things you like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what got you into doing the rambling brick? Like what what started it for you? Like was there any particular thing you just went, nah, I'm going to write about Lego? Going to write about Lego. I'm, I'm not sure that that's not actually what happened. Uh, <laughs> so probably because it, it all started a couple of weeks after Brickvention in 2016, which is the big convention that we had in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and I was feeling, oh, I was just, I'd just come away from it and I was finding that there were a few things that I had slightly different ideas about to other people or just yep. not so much different ideas, just perhaps a slightly different um, framework or approaching yeah. things in, in a different way. Um, and people were interested in that sort of approach. And so I picked up the latest 
set that I'd bought, which I think at the time was probably one of the Nexo Knight. Um, it may have been Ultimate Macy, sort of this sort of mech kind of, no, not even a mech kind of character. It was just really an overarmed minifigure. Um, yep. From the Nexo Knight range, and and just picked it up and wrote a few things about it. It contained a few interesting new pieces, a few interesting recolorations, and you know, look for all intents and purposes. Frankly, apart from the absence of an oxygen tank, it really just looked like a space figure. I just started writing a couple of things, and then kept writing a couple of things, and then more people encouraged me to keep writing things, and so I still do. Oh, that's good. It's good to get good feedback mm. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, what I find is is just it's always a you can't, you can't think, oh, look, people have read that. That's great. But in fact, in real life, it's even more fun when people have read it and they've made a comment and give you a bit of feedback about it. And look, yep. even more if you can sort of, I won't say get into a fight, but if you can get into a dialogue about it, that that's always I find very, it's probably probably one of the more gratifying things about okay. it yeah but but often it ends up being that the conversations about things don't happen until the next time we meet at a convention or something that's <laughs> at the moment so that's sort of been been you know long and long and far between but uh it's a list of people that are gonna pull you aside yeah sort of like oh now i've been meaning to talk to you about that set you made with your wife <laughs> <laughs> um and um for for yourself, um, outside of blogging mm. and so forth, are you are you more of a set builder, or do you like to mark, like, or do you just like I love it all, Greg? I love it all, Greg. I'm 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 uh, very I'm I'm very inconsistent. Um, yep. I I, know, I build a lot of sets often just because of reviewing. Um, yep. I build. Uh, quite a few sets because I just enjoy them and then I might decide let's write a review while I'm here. Yep. Um, but there's a large pile of parts scattered all over the floor and a whole lot of drawers over there that suggest I probably enjoy building as well. And certainly I haven't found as much time to do that over the last year or two. Um, and that's often just because my brain's just not got room for it um, yeah. while I'm busy if I'm putting my energy into writing. Um, but I do enjoy the mock process and I do have a couple of projects sort of on the back boiler, which is sort of just simmering simmering away. And, and uh, I dare say probably 2022 they'll get a bit of an airing, maybe the second half of next year if the world finds a cure or a vaccine and we can think about traveling again. Um, yep. I, I'm not quite sure that I'm enthusiastic enough with the idea of trying to go to Scarebeck or the States next year for an event. Um, if borders do yes. open up, I think I'm, I don't think I'm quite, not quite ready to do that yet, but um, I think we'll certainly, certainly be working on something for, for early 2022. Yep. I was about to say, yeah, so, uh, I don't think we're going to America or yeah, <laughs> Europe anytime soon. No, so let's say the next real world um, big event um, down under, although there may be some other events interstate next next year. So 
at this stage, Brickvention, which is to say Melbourne's big event, that's being run as an online event yep. in January. Um, yep. And that certainly, so with that decision made, that's been a really tough one for the organising team, but uh, I know they're putting their energy into organising that now. Yep. And I think that should, that should actually be be really good and I think everyone's going to come out of it all with so much energy for 2022 that it will be absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, that's it. And and if you're listening to this in the future, I'd say just organise your ticket to come to, to Melbourne next January, um, <laughs> January 2022. Um, you know, if yes. you're listening to this sometime during 2021, having just discovered the podcast... Um, <laughs> <laughs> And tell your friends. No. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's a, it's a massive event, um, Brickvention, because I was talking to Shelley Corbett, and, um, yeah, she's she was like, wow, you guys have got such an amazing space um, for Brickvention because it's, it's massive. Um, mm. She's like, we'd kill for that at BrickCon. And I'm like, yeah, it's, I, I didn't realise how good we supposedly have it. Yeah, no, it's 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 huge, and it's just because it's also that um, that Victorian era architecture. Yes, like a lo- a lot of the exhibition halls and expo halls in um, that a lot of Lego events occur in otherwise are fairly contemporary buildings. Okay, and so you know, with the Royal Exhibition buildings, as we refer to them in Melbourne. Yes, um, yes. They they date back to certainly the eighteen eighties and maybe even probably a bit further back. Yeah. Um. So they certainly have a great design and just those fantastic murals in the ceiling and all sorts of great things. Yeah. So uh, it is it is it is a very regal building. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If only they could install air conditioning on on the on the other side. However, because it is heritage listed, it doesn't have air conditioning. Yeah, which makes it a little bit challenging sometimes in Brickvention when it's about forty degrees outside. Um, oh, just don't go that's upstairs. That's about a hundred and five Fahrenheit. <laughs> yes, and it gets about twenty thousand people in there. So. <laughs> so it's a lot of it's a lot of body warmth. Yeah, you don't expect it, but it actually becomes um, it becomes an intimate venue. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. And actually, talking on the history side of things, um, you you do like to delve into a bit of bit of the old Lego history. Um, I'll talk about Bill and Mary in a moment, but I saw on your blog um, you were after interest for a Lego history sort of event. Is that still happening, yeah, or what's so- the geo with that? So, Wes, um, it's very early planning stages. Yes. <laughs> so um, one of the things that happened earlier in the year during the lockdown was that, that we saw virtual tours of the Lego Historical Collection at the Lego House in Billund. Oh, okay. And there was a phenomenal interest in that. Um, so it was fr- free free as an event and it just worked quite nicely. If you were in Australia, it was 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the evening, two sessions every couple of weeks. Um, essentially a repeat of the material every couple of weeks. Um, they had a new session sort of moving through from the 30s, the 50s, 60s, 70s to 80s. Um, 
and through to the through to um, the early noughties. And there were about two thousand people or so that were attending oh. that, that were attending these sessions. Um, so I was having a chat with one of the Italian ambassadors, um, a guy named Francesco Spriafico, who is um, with Itlug, but also runs the blog oldbricks.it. Um, okay. If, um, and he, he's quite into Lego history and thinking that there's, there's probably enough interest in the world to justify a fan event. Yeah. Specifically to history. So what we're trying to work out is, is this something that can actually happen in the real world? Yep. Um, or is it something that we'll need to run virtually or maybe even as a hybrid event? And if so, where would we do it? And is there an audience? So we've sent out a questionnaire of expressions of interest and probably we've had about 200 responses from around the world and we're just, I'm just in the process of analysing that. I reckon there's enough interest for, for an event to happen. Yep. And I suspect what might happen will be that it might occur as a multi-country event. So we may look at trying to piggyback onto onto some existing events. Yep. Um, and having, you know, three or four lectures plus some people bringing on some historical artefacts to show off and whether we have an event in Australia, an event in uh, Europe or the UK and an event in the US over the course of the year. And yep. so we can have um, a number of presentations. I'm thinking we'll probably have some presentations. We'll probably have maybe some show and tell sessions where we just sort of have someone streaming. Here's my, here's my um, prize model. Um, my, my prize set from the of the um, 1960s town plan and yep. um, we'll just talk you through some of the interesting details here. Here's my um, collection of HO models. Here's my collection of wooden ducks. Yep. But also there's sort of scope for small research projects and so um, perhaps timelines looking at the development of the design of spacemen, um, and I would even say I was listening to your talk from August with um, Megan and Alice from the Women's Brick Initiative, and yes. they've got some projects currently underway, say looking, for example, at a timeline of the depiction of women in minifigures, and it's been, say, that's something that I've had a look at over the years as well, and it's been quite interesting watching that development occur. Um, but I would say that, you know, that would be something that I'd consider it to be a, a fantastic poster presentation or even a yeah. presentation within the structure of the meeting. Um, I will talk to them about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, um, yeah, chatting to Megan and Alice um, about, you know, the programs that they're doing, yeah, my eyes were like, I didn't even notice. And once your eyes are open to, you know, the gender divide even in Lego, you're like, wow, okay. There you go. It's getting better, but yeah, and it's it's even just the societal bias that you you don't you don't notice it. So as yeah. a white middle aged man, that's it. <laughs> I often I often fail to notice the um, the privilege and opportunities that are presented to me simply because that's the situation that I'm in. 
Yeah. Um, and I'll, Shelley Corbett came to Australia last year for a toy safari and we sat down and had a bit of a chat about some of these things. And uh, yep. look, she opened my eyes and has managed to get me starting to think a bit differently about these things, whether I succeed in implementing these changes on a regular basis. I'm, get, I'm working on it. Yep. I'm working on it. It's a journey of self-exploration and improvement. Yep. Um, but it's uh, – I, th- I think it's really interesting just seeing the way in which that change in depiction, and it's also the change in depiction in the marketing materials that's occurred over the years. Um, that's been interesting to look at as well. But there's, there's so, anyway, all of these sorts of things. Yeah. We digress. Uh, hence, rambling is really just sort of travelling all over the place in no particular direction. <laughs> this is really the um, key to where where the blog comes from. Where the name came from? The name came from uh, because this may just be the way that I am. Yeah. Um, we won't focus too long on any one thing. We'll just, if, you know, when, once we see something shiny, we'll chase it down the rabbit yes. hole, but we'll, we'll wander in all sorts <laughs> of directions in the meantime. We're certainly, we've got, got some interest. I think we've certainly got interest from enough people to be able to put a program together and we're looking within, mainly within the fan community. I would look at approaching the corporate history department at Lego and seeing if they might be able to have, if anyone there might like to come and come and talk and that might be easier if we're um, sort of as a, as a sub event within within a major networking um, event around around the world, but yep. uh, we'll look where it. As I say, planning stage. This, this is this is this is this is a big dream. Yep. And you know, at this stage, we don't really know whether or not we're going to be able to tr- freely travel across international borders. Um, I suppose also as as we talk, while Victoria is just coming out of our long lockdown, the UK and Europe and are going going into winter. Um, they've into winter and have started to have a an increase in travel restrictions, particularly with a view to trying to minimise the spread of the pandemic and. Yep the results of the US election uh, heading towards the courts. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. It's more just so that people know when we are speaking what and time have, frame have we're an, in. an understanding yeah. of, 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 of what the world currently looks like to yes. to us um, in November, in mid-November 2020. Yes. Fun times. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> and the first time, I think it's probably the first time I saw you. Um, yeah, yeah was at Brickvention and sort of it's still on the history side of things, but it was for Bill and Mary. Um, I had no idea about the fact that, um, I know you're, you're going to go into more depth in a moment, but yeah, that Lego actually had these two characters with their little story back in, like I used to play with it back in the day. I didn't know. I just opened the box and went nuts. Um, I didn't know they yeah. had stories. Oh, look, so so this really came from the 6,000 Ideas book. So going back, if you go back into the 60s, Lego always presented 
books with models to inspire people yep. uh, and to, to particularly to inspire kids with ideas that they might want to build on the whole they're probably going to be beyond the reach of things that you're able to achieve with the sets that you had but that's okay if you bought more sets you'd be able to get closer um <laughs> So, in 1978, we saw the release of the first wave of minifigure sets. So, depending on where in the world you were, late 1979, early 1980, the 6,000 Ideas book was produced. The 6,000 Ideas book presented bold photographs telling a story of this couple um, and... Again, Bill and Mary, that's actually the American name for them. Ah. So in, in my version of the book, it says, you can follow the adventures of the two characters on the page opposite with a picture of these two figures in the car. Um, didn't even give them names. Driving along, and then we follow their adventures. No, didn't even give them names. They, um, and they have adventures in town. Shazza um, and Bill. Yeah, they, you could call them anything you like. But um, there was a second printing that came out during 1980, and in that they were named Bill and Mary. Uh, now, whether that was an international printing or whether that was a, a US printing, I'm not entirely sure because it seems to be culturally more known to Americans as Bill and Mary. Yeah. And indeed, as you follow through some of the other literature that Lego produced um, towards the mid to late 80s, there was a magazine called Bricks and Pieces, which was kind of similar to the Lego Life magazine, which in turn was similar to the Lego Club magazine that we had. Um, and in that we had the adventures of Indigo and Polkadot. Um, and Indigo was, well, Bill, the minifigure with the blue torso and the white, blue and white stripes on his torso. Yep. Polka dot, she's got her white torso, bright red hair in ponytails and um, big red polka dots on her, on her shirt. And so yeah, there's a little bit of ongoing continuity for where that story might go. But the book presented a great story, had them adventuring in in sort of the Lego town environment. Yep. You could tell it was town because all the vehicles are four wide. In city, everything's a little bit bigger. That's when they went to six. Um, and then they had this weird space bit in the middle and that was utilising classic space but also making aliens just by taking normal minifigures, putting their torsos on the legs backwards and grabbing a brick and sticking that where the head's supposed to go. It was really quite terrifying. Um and then they went back and they landed um, near a castle where there was a jousting tournament. What is completely unsure is whether or not they've gone through a time slip, whether they've travelled to a different planet or whether they've just landed in the middle of some sort of renaissance fair. Yep. Um, the book wasn't clear and so it really, the great thing there is that you still have your opportunity for constructing your stories the way that you want them to. Yep. But um, this, this was one of the first ways in which we saw minifigures being used as a storytelling medium um, in mass media. Yep. You know, certainly if you've got your own minifigures, you're going to tell your own stories. But at this stage, we don't have the internet. We have television. We don't have video recorders. Um, and 
no one's really got good equipment for doing stop motion animation um, with minifigures, and that doesn't really evolve until blue tech becomes more widely available in the early eighties. Yeah, um, it was a little while ago, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So back when the world was in black and white, and we rode dinosaurs to school. Yeah. Um, but the question I found myself asking is: Do these guys exist today? Do Bill and Mary? Do they? exist in contemporary Lego City. Yep. And so first I thought we needed to have a look and see, is there – so we're talking about going from a book in town and space. So is this fine? Can we have characters jumping genres? Does that still – jumping themes, does that still happen today? And we found a few examples of characters that have swapped between themes, but um, probably Solomon Blaze was the big example that that uh, sat in my mind. He started off in Galaxy Squad and he then moved to Ultra Agents. So it's fair game for minifigures to change, yeah. change themes and continuity. Um, then the other question is, do we see stories developing and changing as time goes by over years and certainly you can see that if you go perhaps say to adventurers and you can see these changes that occur with Johnny Thunder and um, his assistants coming and going and indeed the uh, whole Sam Sinister and Baron Von Baron um, swap over transformation um, where ultimately we have Sam Sinister looking much like Baron Von Baron once did, but now with a hook for a hand. Or sorry, anyway, yes. Um, you know, he's, he's gained scars and a hook for a hand where the last time we'd previously seen the character was um, on the cover of one of the Egypt adventure sets where he was being attacked by a crocodile. Ah, so he got Captain Hooked. Just made, just, just left me wondering. Yep. So... But then also, you, does this still happen? You can look in Lego City and you can see, I'm going to take this up until sort of 2018 before we started getting Lego City Adventures because now that there is an ongoing animated series set in Lego City, we now are obliged to have ongoing continuity of characters and yep. they've gone and given the characters names. I don't – anyway, I, I digress. Um <laughs> But you can follow the same crooks. You can follow the same families. In Fun in the Park, the first minifigure people pack, we see this, the Lego baby, and we see see him there with his mum and dad. And the, two years later, there's this set where you've got the same mum and father taking a um, caravan and pickup truck for a drive on a, on a camping trip, and, and they've now got this kid with short legs. It's the minifigure baby growing up. Yep. Um, and so you start seeing these examples and then there are a few other figures. Um, the Timmy character from Time Cruises, you see him appear in World City as a small child as he arrives on an aeroplane and then, you know, three years later, in fact, you see him getting on a train with a backpack and a camera heading off in his gap year. Um and so, again, you're seeing these characters grow up, um, just tucked away here and there. But it's never really advertised as being, being the storyline that's, that's occurring, but it seems to be happening anyway. 
Um, you see characters appearing in one wave of Lego City, clean shaven, um, particularly the Arctic explorers. And then, you know, three months later, there's another drop of sets and the, the, the helicopter pilot's gone and from being a nicely clean shaven bloke to now having sort of like a like, yeah, like perpetual stubble. It's a bit of growth. You know, you're just, you're just seeing these characters change subtly over time. Um, and then you find this, this old couple in Fun at the Beach. Um, he's wearing a blue shirt with what look like palm trees, but for all intents and purposes, it's blue with white spots. Yep. Not quite blue and white stripes. But then this older lady is there in what appears to be um, red bathers with white stripes. So I could certainly imagine that the trees were sort of really just a more detailed version of what 70s graphic design allowed you to do as red spots, you know, it's yeah. sort of evolved into trees or hibiscus or something yeah. like that, you know, some lovely Hawaiian shirt print. Getting older, you know. <laughs> so so my theory is that these, the, these two are, in fact, Bill and Mary, about 38, 39 years after they first appeared in that original Ideas book. Um, there are other questions that arose during this investigation, like um, Polka Dot was appearing less and less in the um, comic in Bricks and Pieces at this time, and it left me wondering, in fact, if this was, in fact, because she was heavily pregnant. Then six years later, along come time cruisers, and a young boy named Timmy is... Um, being looked after by this friendly scientist down the road, Dr. Cyber. Rampant speculation, cranky fan theory, you be the judge, <laughs> or could it just be the truth? I'm just going to let people wonder about yep. that. <laughs> um, how, how, did you, how, how did you go about researching that? Was it did, was a lot of internet or you've, like, obviously you've got the books, for the start, and was there a lot of trawling for pictures? Or so I love Brickset. Yep, I love Brickset. Um, Hugh Millington has put together the most marvelous resource where he has he actually got access to the vault uh, or to memory lane um, about fifteen years or so ago, and was able to basically go through and take photos of everything that didn't already exist in proper marketing photos. And so his database has got pictures of just about every Lego set that's ever been produced. And I basically trawled through that. I trawled through catalogues of the era. Um, But yeah, you you basically have got pictures of all the minifigures that come with every set. Yep. And so you can go through and this project probably took me six months. Yep. That's what the sea weren't doing it in the weekend. <laughs> Were you dreaming about Bill and Mary by the end of it? Uh, I'd probably started talking about it about 12 months earlier even um, and then, then sat down and started. I may have already had the theory as to where they'd gone. Yep. Um, I may have even just had the theory hinted at by some by some speculation on the interwebs and then from there sort of work, went to in search of how how could could this be true? Yep. In which case, you know, how does that go? And now perhaps this isn't the way that history is not supposed to work where you have a conclusion and you want to adjust the facts to make it fit. Yes. But given that part of the goal along the way is to have a fun story as well. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps it works. Yeah. 
perhaps I've just lost any serious credibility I might have as someone who's interested in actual history um, <laughs> by, by actually... You've done it wrong. <laughs> re- revealing the background to this um, story and this plan. <laughs> hmm. um, we thought you knew it all, but you just, you guessed at the start. It's, pro- it, it, it's, it's probably too late to redact it all. Um <laughs> But in fact, really, I suppose what a lot of history is, is you've got things being a certain way and you have to work out how they got there. Somewhere along the way, you'll get some primary source material and the more primary source material you get, the less guessing you have to make. Yep. But sometimes one of the great things about being a fan is that you can just have fan theories and do some wild and crazy guessing along the way. And it's Lego, so you got to use your imagination anyway. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I'm quite happy for people to disagree with any theory that I have. Um, but if if they if they want to agree with it, then and uh, support it, then then that's that's lovely. <laughs> um, but I, I know that there's for for a bunch of people. I think the book was probably on sale for about three or four years. Yep. So from about 79, 80 through to um, 83, 84. And so there were a lot of people who grew up with the book. They're all people of a certain age. Yep. Well, they're not all people of a certain age, but many of them are people of a certain age. Um, <laughs> um, and it's certainly sort of fills us all with a bit of nostalgia as, as, as a part of, part of a, a shared childhood experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's it exactly. We didn't have the same Wiggles concert on DVD, but, you know, we all um, sort of had this book. And because, you know, we didn't have VCRs yet, so you couldn't go back and watch Star Wars again. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you got to see it a couple of times maybe because it was in the, it was at the cinemas for three years yep. or for two and a half years running. Um, but, you know, with, with a, with a coloured picture book, that was telling the story and, you know, it was not dissimilar to a comic in many ways, I suppose, but, you know, it certainly had lots of ways to lead you in, in your building. And you, and there are people around, people around who, who base their convention displays as well on the, um, on that era and indeed just doing their best to reconstruct the stories that were told in that book as, yep. as making up part of that part of a convention display. Oh, really? Huh. Um, so you'll, every so often we see them. Yeah, every so often we see them turn up to Brickvention. Every so often I've seen them at other other events around the place. So I, I presented my wild and crazy fan theory at the Portugal Fan Weekend as well last year yep. in 2019, and there were yeah there were certainly a lot of people there that had fond memories of the of the book and, uh, and, you know, just the hours and weeks and months that they, and years that they spent pouring over it as kids. Like, thank you for letting us know what happened with Bill and Mary. You do a little bit of toy photography. You're saying you were, um, with Shelley last year, uh, when she came to Melbourne and you guys hung out and you, you did your toy photography. Do, Do you, did you do a lot of toy photography before you met up with Shelley? Yeah, look, I probably started taking minifigure photos about six months after I discovered Instagram and I've no idea when I discovered Instagram now. <laughs> many, many years. It, 
was a couple of years before I started blogging um, on my civilian account. And it, and I, I just found I enjoyed nothing more than getting up in the, at, at stupid o'clock in the morning and going down to the beach with a, with a, with a camera and a couple of minifigures at sunrise. And uh, that certainly, it looked, that was a lot of fun to do. So it's really those, in those days, it was mostly putting minifigures in the real world rather than taking amazing scenes using toys to create um, a life-like setting. It was really taking the minifigure out into the into yep. the alien environment. And so probably my, one of my favourite ones was taking the spacemen out at dawn and putting them on this this weather-faded wooden wooden jetty and um, it was sort of looking like an alien landscape as, as sort of the sun sort of was boiling up over the horizon. That was uh, <laughs> probably one of my favourite pictures from that time. That would have been, I oh, don't know, years ago now. Yeah, Taking photos of Lego was always a bit of fun and even probably the first profession I went to even before I was doing my own building when I was just discovering that such a thing as an AFOL existed. Um yeah, it turns out I came away with that from that prevention with about three hundred photos um, of of the weekend, and I dream of having a weekend of, of a day rather than I now dream of having a day at a Lego show where I can come away f- with only three hundred photos. Um, <laughs> it's much easier to process three hundred than three thousand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there are just there are just too many great opportunities over the length of a long event. Yeah, um, but I, I'm really looking forward to being able to get to some more large. Um, AFOL events in the in the near future. Hopefully next year we'll be able to, you know, get out there and do some stuff. That'll okay. be that'll just be so good. Yeah, it'd be nice to exhibit That's, something. Be, <laughs> yeah, and and just just see see people that are into this this little thing that other people aren't really into. Um, but you, when you see the activity that people have been up to during the course of the lockdown, as far as um, you know designs proliferating on ideas and I can only imagine that it's not dissimilar in in um, in the real world as well. I think we're going to have a bumper couple of years as far as um, major mocks for people to show off. I think it's going to be really exciting to see what happens over that time. Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. Um, yeah, but I, th- I think going out with other toy photographers, taking pictures of toys, all of a sudden you learn all these other things that you can do like um, using bounce cards, spray smoke and, um, you know, and even just spraying and even reflections in water and that sort of thing, just perhaps things you wouldn't occur to do on your own and all of a sudden you realise everyone else is on their belly and getting in really unnatural positions while they take photos. It turns out that's just a normal thing to do when you're doing toy photography outside in the wild. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Shelly and she's like, I'm like, do you have your own photography clothes? She went, oh, yeah, I got my dirty clothes that they're, I'm on the ground a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a thing. Um, do yeah. I get to do as much as I'd like? Absolutely not. Um, that probably applies to most things that I enjoy doing in life. I don't get to do nearly as much of those as I'd like to. Yep. Because um, the, real, the real world just gets in the way. Well, that's it. <laughs> Bills, life, catching up yeah. with people. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you know, we catch up with people. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, we catch up with people. <laughs> um, what are some of the challenges you find um, with creating a blog? Like, um, I know we've probably covered it um, earlier on. It's probably time. Oh, <laughs> but what 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 do you find are some look, of the challenges? So it's being yourself and not trying to be Brothers Brick or Brick Set or New Elementary. It's yep. just trying to find your own voice and that that sort of comes naturally with a bit of time. Um Maintaining the momentum, but also accepting the fact that I don't need to feed the beast this week. Um, yep. The hungry beast that is world media. Um, you know, this is my hobby. This isn't – this for me, this isn't a – it's not a lifestyle. Um, no. No, it's a lifestyle, but it's not a um, – it's not my job. It's not yeah. my occupation. Yeah. Um, it's my recreation. So it's recognising that perhaps I've spent a little bit too, too too much time obsessing over something that doesn't matter. Um, or sometimes you just you just find oh, I'm just I'm just exhausted. I don't have the energy to write about anything. Yeah. And I think it's it's just acknowledging that that that's the case. One of the things that I've never done is I've never really set myself up with a structure of minifigure Monday, throwback Thursday, um, any particular themes for any particular days or a dedicated release schedule. So it means that I don't feel, I don't feel obliged to produce a post on Monday because it's Monday. Yeah. Um, if, if you know that you go to a site on a Monday and you'll find a post about this, about something, then it is, it makes things a little bit easier. So, yeah, it's just knowing it's okay not to have something to write. And then, you know, before you know it, something else comes along. Either it's um, some new thing that you think is really good or some new thing that you think is a bit naff or some new thing that you think um, looks like it belongs in a bird bath. Um <laughs> It's probably a model of a bird or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's always something to to do. But it's also important to look after yourself and you know make sure that you know you're you're looking after yourself and your family and and remembering to do those things like sleep and eat. I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a difficult one. <laughs> well. We would say that, but particularly because on the whole, the majority of Lego press releases are set to release at about three or four in the afternoon, bill and time. Yeah. Which is all very well, but three or four in the afternoon, bill and time is, well, actually, it's quite nice in winter because it's about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night here. Yeah. Unfortunately, as it approaches summer here and and Europe and America drop their use of summertime, it becomes one in the morning. That's slightly less appealing for things, particularly if you've got a, um, you know, when when you've got the big press releases, the, the new sets dropping at um, silly o'clock, it's useful to have them in, in place so that your readers know where to go and look for them. And, you know, certainly while I started off as a predominantly Australian blog, uh, 
these days I probably find that about a third to a half of my readers are um, in the US and probably about a third in Australia and a third in the rest of the world. Yeah. So that's just a thing. Yeah. They're just all over the place. That's it. Um, the internet. So you kind of need to have, have something available for people to, yeah, you need to have something available or you want to have something for people to read wherever they are. Now, you do get, you do wake up in the morning some days and you find that you've got every channel of your social media flooded with the latest 18 plus set as part of the <laughs> um, marketing juggernaut. Yep. And it, you don't need to read all of them. But if your article's not there, then you can guarantee that no one will read it. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. And uh, so so then, do you even bother? I do. <laughs> Got to get it out. There are some that I bother about more than others. Um, Don't say you had fun with the Mario. The, oh, Mario. Struth. Mario. Every Lego Mario set. That um, that do something with it. Yes, <laughs> I really enjoy. Look, I I really enjoyed the Lego Super Mario line. It it is not what any adult was hoping for from a Nintendo and Lego collaboration. But I suppose the thing is with the collaboration, the what they actually said was, what could we do that we have to work on together. So if you're looking at a line of collectible minifigures, that's something that Lego does and you'll just sign off on the IP, sign off to say that you've used the IP appropriately. Yeah. Um, but the game, the Super Mario game as it is with the intelligent brick that responds to the s scanning codes to allow you to collect coins, to um, have to go over variations on traps and pitfalls and obstacles like you might have in the video game, but with a bit of a different spin with sort of this real world, this real world spin. Um, I think it's really clever and I don't think it's something that Lego could have done on their own. And I don't think it's something that Nintendo could have readily done on their own in a way that retained the, charm of the complete constructability of lego yep um so look yeah we we got a bit carried away we yeah i may have reviewed just about if i've probably reviewed every set but then probably wrote about another five articles because i did get carried away with that that was a bit of fun <laughs> um and i say i was very thankful i was very grateful the lego group um provided me with an opportunity to join with some other fan media to have a chat with Jonathan Bennick, who was the design lead on Lego Super Mario. Yep. Um, and we did a bit of playing and he taught us a few tactics for how to maximise your score when you're doing this thing. Um, and then, you know, having the chance to review all of the sets in the, in the series uh, it was awesome. And, but it was obvious that there were a few big gaps. And so we actually ran a competition to look at, see see what readers might come up with as far as other ideas. And we had some fantastic ideas for, for what people came up with as alternative sets from, um, you know, 
navigating a nursery of bloopers through of the sort of the the squid the squid creatures to making a version of Mario Kart, which a lot of parents probably related to as their first introduction to Mario if they didn't actually yep. play it themselves as kids. I mean, Mario is 35 years old this year. Mm-hmm. Um, through to some great multi-step challenges that involve um, carts, obstacles, and and um, you know, hidden treasure. Um, it was just just amazing seeing the nature of the entries that we we got and the ideas that people had and the time that people put into working these things out and you know the 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 effort that fans will put into their creativity is fantastic and it really brings me joy to see if i'm able to inspire people to put something together um, that they enjoy doing and impresses other people as well. I think that's that actually makes me really happy. That's that's one of the things that that gives me a buzz in the blog. Yep. It's um, when you inspire a bit of creativity, and you know, it's it's even extends beyond you know beyond our immediate circle. But it's you know, in that competition, I had entries from Australia, from the UK, from. Europe from America as well and yeah just such different takes on how they approached all of those things yeah I'm sorry I'm getting carried away again (laughs) (laughs) no but um, creativity yay yeah that's the thing it's like that's what that and I'm I guessing that's what Lego wanted people just to you know take it out of the box um but they do want to take it out of the box (laughs) take it out of the box and do other stuff with it that's it Last question. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What's your favourite Lego memory um, or strongest Lego memory? Um, yeah. So probably my fondest Lego memory goes back to when I got my first little Lego space scooter um, back in 1979. It was probably a Friday night. It was probably the toy shop over at the, over in the Arndale Shopping Centre in Croydon. Um we probably paid about a dollar fifty for it, and it was fantastic. It opened a path to another world, and it made going out after a big day at school, going out shopping with mum and dad late at night. It made it all worthwhile. Um, <laughs> it may have been seven thirty when we were may have been seven thirty or eight o'clock when we were leaving the shops. Um, as an adult. I would say it probably also comes down to being my the first brickvention I went to, where yep. I went as a as a member of the public to have a look at the models with the kids. We we had some had some disc, a, a ticket voucher that we found in the Lego Life magazine, and we we went along and we um, I suddenly discovered that there were all of these adults that built Lego with other adults, not just with their kids. And there were a few people that I found myself probably talking to for an hour or so on that day each. And uh, I probably hold them directly responsible. Um, (laughs) Then there was the guy that sold us the, then there was the guy that sold us the World City Airport and um, 
that that meant that we felt like we'd made a bit of a commitment and uh, a couple of brick journals at the uh, at the thing. So I'd say there were a few few people there that I still keep in touch with today that I hold being directly responsible for dragging me into Affledham and giving me p- permission to become an ad- uh, to become a Lego fan. Um, and so that's pretty. I'm pretty fond of that one as well. It is, it is nice when you meet your own kind, isn't it? Because I was the same. I'm like, yeah, you know, I just built it home. Like I knew people who did it as well, but when you do go to a convention, you're like, oh, hey, voila, yeah, we're allowed to display this. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I said that was the last question, I lied. Uh, lucky, lucky last. Where can people find you? People can find me um, in in various parts of the internet. They can find me on, uh, they can find the blog at ramblingbrick.com. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ramblingbrick, one word. Um, And they're probably the main places that I exist. Um, In the real world, you can probably see me pottering around Melbourne from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) Lying on the ground taking photos. Oh, sometimes, sometimes I'm just just buying milk. (laughs) (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Um, Thank you for coming on my podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you very much, Greg. It's been good fun. Um, Yeah, no, thanks for having me along. And uh, I look forward to catching up with with you and, and others in real life before too long. Yes, at a mugs meeting, Melbourne User Group. Um, yeah, thanks again, Richard. I'll chat to you later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it for this week's episode of For the Love of Brick. If you like the podcast, feel free to check out some of the other episodes. If you know of anyone in the Lego world who you would like me to have a chat to, email me at fortheloveofbrick at gmail.com or message me on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Until next time, see you later.